The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We live in a fast-paced, hectic world where it is easy to feel overwhelmed, stressed, and out of control. How do you manage all the competing pressures without losing your sense of yourself? How do you stay focused enough to not only plot a path, but follow it? Welcome to Master Your Life, a show that offers inspiration, insight, and intelligence, as well as success stories from many walks of life that can show you how you can control your own destiny. Our knowledgeable and entertaining hosts and their guests give practical advice that you can use every day in the quest to master your life. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Welcome to Master Your Life, the show of insight, inspiration, and intelligence, where we ask you to consider who it is you are right now and who it is that you would love to be. Uh, I'm host Leah Mattinson, joined by my co-host, Howard Rankin. Uh, Howard has had an exciting couple of weeks, so we're just going to dive right in and ask him how his week, this week has been after um, surviving the Hurricane Matthew (laughs) ordeal. How are you making out, Howard? Oh, okay, it's been a very interesting experience. So, um, you know, two weeks ago, uh, actually to the day, um, we evacuated here from uh, Hilton Head Island as the hurricane was rumbling along the coast and coming straight for us. And so we evacuated and we were in uh, Columbia, South Carolina for six days, um, during which time the hurricane pretty much hit the island uh, pretty much head on. Um and, uh, you know, we came home last week to see exactly what was going on. Um, fortunately, uh, our home really didn't suffer any damage. Um, and in some respects, the island was, was, was fortunate in that it was a Category 2 storm. I think the highest winds recorded here were 105 miles an hour at the airport. Um, and what that mostly did was, and, and this area has is known for all its trees. Uh, interesting, interestingly, in the history of Hilton Head, originally it was going to become a place where the trees were locked and sold, um, but somebody, um, Charles Fraser, had the bright idea, no, it's got beautiful beaches, it's got these wonderful trees, let's turn it into a resort. So one of the things that marks Hilton Head Island is some fabulous trees, many, many pines uh, and oak trees, and what happened mostly in the storm is a lot of those came down. And um, mostly the damage that was done to homes was if you were unfortunate enough that a tree fell on your house. Um, the winds at 105 weren't sufficient to you know, tear roofs off or blow houses away. 
just blow these trees down. And, and so in some ways we were very fortunate. Right. But, so I, can, uh, I can absolutely imagine that people were ecstatic when they saw that their homes were still standing after um, all of the media about, you know, just the, the state of the storm as it was rolling in and how, you know, all the emotion of getting, you know, excited and fearful and not knowing the result and then coming home and seeing, wow, like everything is still standing and then walking into your homes for the first time, but realizing that some things had changed. Yeah. And I think, I think that's right. And so one of the things that was of concern when this was ongoing was that there would be a big storm surge um, and uh, the hurricane was meant to come about the time of high tide. And just to give you an example of that, now these weren't the highest tides. That was another fortunate thing. Those are this week where we have nine and a half feet tides, which are pretty high. Um, they were seven and a half feet um, a week or so ago. And um, they were predicting maybe as much as another six or seven feet surge on top of that, which would have put five feet of water in my basement. Um, wow, wow. Uh, fortunately, it did not come in at high tide. It came in a little later, and so I only got two feet of water in my basement. Um, <laughs> and that's a big difference, actually. That, <laughs> yes. that, that seriously is a big difference. You know, I, I don't think people realize that flowing water has a lot of force. You know, if water is rushing and there's only two feet of it, it can take your car away. It's yes, any, anyone who's been to the ocean and stood just in the right. waves at the shore um, right. would have a clue definitely about how that, how powerful it yeah. really is. Yes. Yeah, so we came back and there'd been a couple of feet of water in the garage and it gone across the road and we had some uh, some other people's possessions that have floated out of their garage areas and ended up on our, you know, in our space and in our yard. But, but overall, um, one definitely could say, boy, weren't we fortunate? And I have to say the authorities here on Hilton Head did an absolutely fantastic job of clearing the roads, piling up the debris on the side of the roads, but clearing the roads so it was navigable. Right. So all of this is to say that people have been back about a week now, um, and although, yes, it certainly could have been worse, um, what I'm seeing a little bit in myself, but certainly in my neighbors and friends, is everyone is exhausted. Right. Yes. And so what does that look like? People are short-tempered. Well, yes, people are exactly, falling exactly. asleep on their lawns. No. Well, I, <laughs> a little I, bit know, of grass that remains. They're sleeping on it. <laughs> they wish they, or they wish they were. Uh, well, no, and I'm no. making light of it. But really, it's like when you're, when you're that exhausted, um, you wish you could just, you know, lay down somewhere and, and go to sleep for a while. So what is it that you're seeing or noticing from yourself and, and people that have gone through this experience, Howard? Well, I think I think people are, as I say, they're exhausted. They're very short-tempered. I think they they recognise their patience is gone. Um, this has been now getting on a two-week ordeal, um, and even if you're fortunate enough that you really didn't have major damage to your house, you know you still have to clean up the yard. You still have to put everything back if you like we did. You know we had to take everything inside and put it in the appropriate place. So it took us. We had no damage, but it took us two or three days just to kind of get everything back to, to normal. Um, and so that's demanding and some some concern about, you know, how quickly this place is going to recover. It, it, you know, the economy is back and running to a degree. Um, 
And, and just, I think people have been somewhat sleep deprived. So all of that has contributed to what I'm seeing is, yeah, life seems as if it's sort of back to normal, but for most people, they're just stressed and exhausted. Right, which is a really good lead in to what we decided to talk about today, which was just this, the whole um, big arena of stress and how we manage it and how we identify how we identify stress in our own lives and that in our culture, we've just come so, um, when we were talking earlier, you were just mentioned, you know, kind of that you felt disappointed that you hadn't been able to, you know, that you felt a little better now that you've been able to put in a couple of 10 hour days at, at work. And I, <laughs> and so we were laughing about that. And I think that's how like culturally how we have um, like really we don't allow other people to, go through times of difficulty with grace and that they feel we feel like we need to suck it up and that we um, that we should be kind of like Iron Man f- you know flying through everything and and defeating every single obstacle that comes in our way and when we don't then somehow we're a loser <laughs> right yeah you mean I'm not Superman I mean I mean that sort of thing yeah and I think the expectation is we all have all this stuff going on but we should still be able to put in a few hours work and do all the things that we normally have to do and you know we live such busy lives normally mm-hmm. you know to the max anyway it really doesn't take much to put you over the top and certainly an event like this is going to do that for most people Yes. And, and so the hope, the hope is figuring out what would be kind of a better, what would be a better way to identify stress before it puts people into that state of overwhelm and, and how can we develop skills and real strengths, our go-to sorts of behaviors that would let us not crash either um, and, and to feel like we're intact as we go through that process um and i liken this to you know when when we get a broken leg or a broken arm or something's broken we're not thinking about you know what's going on down the street we're thinking about i need to heal this leg i need to heal this thing that's wrong with me and that when a neighborhood is crushed it's the same thing or when we have our property destroyed it's the same thing we're not thinking about what are the opportunities today to you know (laughs) fill in the blank here we're thinking Mm -hmm. about how am I going to get this fixed and you used a great example of just the trees the trees being down and so just like you to share if you could like just the just the trees all of the things that I've had to do with trees and how that's been disruptive well well um in my neighborhood and several of the neighborhoods at this end of the island, you know, the trees came down and we're talking about 50, 60 foot pine trees, some of them, you know, three feet around. Mm-hmm. So these are big, these are big trees. Um, yes. And so we had a cacophony of chainsaws, you know, for a few days, which is somewhat stopped. So those trees had to be cut down. Um, and like, I don't know how many, I live in a relatively small neighborhood with, with 85 homes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would bet that at least a hundred trees have come down, uh, one way or another. And these are big trees, so they then have to be chopped up and almost on everybody's sort of by their front lawn, not in the road, but just out of the road, there are, you know, these huge tree trunks trunks, some chopped up, some not. Um, In some places, that pile of debris and trees is eight foot high. I mean, it's huge. 
Um, and so the roads are navigable, but, you know, it looks sort of a bit like a war. It isn't, but it looks a bit like a war zone because mm-hmm. there's all this destruction and debris around, which can't help, I think, your perception of things um, because it is somewhat distressing to, to see that, even though um, they may not have done any damage. So, you know, you're walking through the neighborhood. Well, like, for example, walking the dark. Mm-hmm. is, you know, is much more difficult. Um, mm-hmm. Our neighborhood is, interestingly enough, our neighborhood is famous for putting on a great Halloween show. Uh, we open up we open up the right. neighborhood and, and kids come from, and families come from miles around to come to our Halloween. Right. Well, there was a discussion, you know, well, can we have that this year? Well, heck no, you, of course you can't have it. You know, with all this debris and trees and eight-foot piles of, stuff you know it's just dangerous you just can't do that um and so that's sort of not exactly divided the community but you know it's been an issue and um and so you know it just it it just manifests itself in so many different ways Mm -hmm. um and just it just becomes more things to deal with so Mm -hmm. yeah the landscape's changed for sure literally and metaphorically and on, and the and on the kind of nurturing side of things it's like when nature is is destroyed it also does something to affect us spiritually and so many people choose to live in the places that they live because the beauty mm-hmm. that surrounds them so you mentioned you know at, at your home Hilton Head there is you know a forest that's been protected where i live we have you know mountains and beautiful pastures and streams and um, where other people live they have other beautiful things that surround them that when those landscapes get uh, changed and uprooted and destroyed. There's almost like a spiritual grieving process that's outside the, you know, the the chainsaws going and all of that. That's on a different level. Um, that there's a grieving that needs to happen, and we need to allow and let in. Uh, that's yeah. I think it's a really really good point, and and that was very noticeable when people were coming back to the island or getting back and reporting what they saw. I mean, people were, you know, from my perspective, it was, boy, we were lucky. It certainly could have been worse. I know it's a tragedy, but it certainly could have been worse. As far as I know, nobody's even been hurt, let alone killed in this Mm -hmm. area. Um, But people were coming back and they were so sad and they'd say, you know, this island, I love it so much and it's been destroyed, which was a slight exaggeration. But there was very much the sense of, boy, there's a loss here, a loss of nature, a loss of what I connected to, a lot of what people loved about this place. It's it's somewhat been degraded, and um, that does have an impact on you. Um, mm-hmm. And you can be as practical as you want, which I was, which is to say, gosh, <laughs> We, you know, we could be lucky, you know, this place would get cleaned up and nobody will worry about it and think about it. But but they will. They'll notice. They'll notice the gaps. They'll notice the trees that aren't there. Um, it, interestingly enough, all the dunes on the beaches at the south end of the island got swept away. All of the dunes. Uh, and as somebody said, well, they did their job for this hurricane, and they certainly did. But all of those dunes are going to need to be replaced. So you go to the beach and it looks a completely different landscape. Um, And so for for people for whom, you know, that means something to them and they connect to that, yeah, there is a certain sadness for sure. 
Mm-hmm. And so metaphorically speaking, uh, and just taking the landscape of the storms that go in, on in our lives, we can have big storm, storms and big trials, and um, and it's in relation to how big they are to us. So for some people, they may go through an experience and it's no big deal. And for somebody else, it's a huge deal. It is the thing that has taken the dunes uh, and completely, mm-hmm. completely changed their landscape. So uh, I just would invite people to be thinking about, you know, what are the what are the things that have changed the landscape in your life, and how did you collect yourself? How what are the skills that we can use to kind of collect ourselves? And to, like, is there ways to help each other to do that? Um, You know, we feel like sometimes we're an island unto ourselves, and that we need to figure out and strategize and that we can outthink all of these things by being practical and reasonable. And um, sometimes that's not, that's not how it goes. (laughs) Sometimes we need to think about um, the impractical sorts of things and how to get out of our overwhelm or our discouragement and how to um, feel responsible to get back into a really centered and happy place because whatever it is that we're bringing um, through grief or through joy or through recognizing um, our own feelings of entitlement, um, that is what is experienced by the rest of our families, by the rest of our neighborhoods, by the rest of our community and by the rest of the world. So when we come back after the break, we're going to talk about kind of how to identify stressors and some of the management techniques that you can use in your life to manage through these storms and uh, cultivating a new landscape for yourself. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. There are many challenges associated with recovery from any issue. By building a support system of friends, family members, and professionals, you can overcome these challenges. Tune in to Rise Radio with host Randy Havison. On this program, we'll bring topics to the forefront like addiction, self-esteem, leadership, relationship building, and other topics to empower you and your support system to achieve a greater level of personal growth. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Larry Sternberg, former president of Talent Plus, explores one of his favorite topics, mentoring. Studying the talents of others allowed him to see that mentoring relationships are some of the most motivating, empowering, and inspiring relationships we can ever experience. Join Larry Sternberg for dynamic conversation with intriguing politicians, business leaders, artists, authors, sports figures, and academicians across the globe. The series airs on Voice America, the Empowerment Channel, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Mentoring every Thursday. Morning with Larry Sternberg. 
Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm Dr. Howard Rankin, and along with my co-host, Leah Manson, we are talking today about stress, stress management, exhaustion, things that come up and hit you in the face when you weren't expecting it. And before the break, I was talking about the experience that I've had recently with the evacuation and return to my home after Hurricane Matthew came this way. Um, and we started the show by talking about how I've noticed in, in the people that have been dealing with this now for two weeks, how their level of stress level, their stress level is still pretty high their level of patience is pretty low uh, and everyone's sort of recognizing that even though um, in many ways we we're blessed it certainly could have been much much worse in my case for example I really had no damage to my home it's it's not like you can come back from something like this and just pick up and everything's fine again um, it takes a toll and it doesn't have to be something as dramatic as escaping a hurricane. It could be some other storm in your life where you get knocked a bit sideways, um, have to deal with stuff, and then you're left with the aftermath of this feeling of, of fatigue, of exhaustion, of overwhelm. And then how do you manage that? What's the best way of managing that? So that's where we left it, Leah. Yes. So we're we we're, I've just been thinking about uh, what are the traps that we get stuck in. I guess the traps that keep us from um, being able to deal really successfully with these things when they come up in our lives. And I alluded to it a little bit, but I'd like to talk about it a bit more, which is our cultural um, belief system that we have set up. These kind of cultural dissonance uh, of how much we should be able to handle. Um, uh, I think. In how much people should be able to handle because different people have different levels of handling things and we all sit in judgment of each other <laughs> about, well, that person handled that well and this other person didn't handle that very well. And uh, that doesn't set us up for getting the support that we need to to weather these storms. Like we're, you know, we're talking about kind of basic needs stuff when you're talking about a storm that destroys property. Um, when you're mm-hmm. talking about a storm that destroys, you know, emotional things like divorce, um, mm-hmm. you know, lying, cheating, stealing, all the things that happen in day-to-day life, betrayal, um, broken trust, those things. Uh, losing, what, your prof- losing your professional license, stuff like that. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, losing your professional license. Yeah, for sure. And identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so those and and so I have a battle internally in me, Howard. You and I talk about this a lot because of my circumstance with the whole Huntington's thing, and that my belief system I think is completely different than most people. So, <laughs> so I'm sure uh, it is. Yeah, it is. And so even ta- it's like so to talk about navigating through stress. Like we're really we're really talking about it for this the purposes of this. We're talking about one and two. We're talking about identity 
property, betrayal in relationships and all, and all of that. But there's a third level where, um, and we'll talk about that maybe in the third segment. So for, for right now, though, just honing in on what are the traps that we get stuck in. And part of what we talked about was um, a good example is that we get this thing called whirling disease. We get a parasite in our brain, fish get this, and it causes them to swim round and round and round in circles. And they are never able to resolve or get out of the trap that they're in. So when we're in a stressful situation or we have a storm in our life, um, like betrayal, losing our license, all of those things, we get stuck in our thoughts. And unless we can figure out ways to get out of our thoughts and our thinking, we're going to continue to whirl. And the whirl becomes more animated and we get more and more invested in sort of creating an emotion that's attached to this whirling around in circles. So we need to figure out ways to, to get the parasites out of our brains. Um, and so what are some of your ideas or strategies, Howard? Um, well, you know... As I generally say, thinking is bad for you generally, so I agree with you. Um, um, So I think part of this is how do you stop the obsessiveness, the perseveration, the same negative thoughts or anxious thoughts coming up? I mean, how that's to me a critical skill. How do you do that? Because there are going to be storms in our lives. And it is natural and the default setting, and there's probably something wrong with you, if when that happens, you don't get anxious, you don't get worried, you don't start projecting into the future. You, you, you don't, I mean, it is natural to do those things. So the question then becomes, you know, how do you manage that? Because it's going to happen, almost certainly. How do you manage that? Um, yes, and it's nice to have been trained and grown up and shown how and modeled how to handle that effectively, and that would be great. But for most people, that isn't the case, and even that's you know, not really enough when some things hit you. How are you going to deal with it? Um, and you know, I think there are many aspects to that. Um, one certainly is left to your own thoughts, you're going to be a problem to yourself. So I know that you and I agree that there's a big role for other people and the right sort of other people in helping you gain perspective and equilibrium. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah I, think part, I think part of that is, is having a plan. Uh, you, you know, what for me, what this comes down to and what I think is the sort of essential element of stress is the sense of being out of control. And when you don't know what's going to happen to you, whether you're out of town watching a hurricane hit your town or whatever it is, when you don't know what is going to happen to you and you lose that sense of control, that is incredibly difficult. Now, I happen to think that we believe we have more control than we really do, which can be a little unnerving, also maybe a bit liberating. But the fact is that feeling out of control is really what is the essence of the negative part of stress. And so the question comes, how do you regain that? I think other people certainly have a role in that. Yes, and and so having really, really wise mentors is one half of that equation, people who you can go to that you trust for their um, opinion and how they um, feel about you and your relationship with them so they can help you to get out of whatever is spinning around in your head. Uh, And the other piece of the equation for that, I think, though, is that you have to have cultivated in your own spirit a mind and a heart set that allows you to hear what people who you have 
identified as your trusted advisors, that you can hear them, that you can hear, hear what they have to say, not just listen to them, but that you hear it and that it sinks into you and you go, they are showing me the path out. They are showing it to me. They are showing it to me through their wisdom, their insight, their discipline, their um, their talents, their own life experience. And I need to, if they have my best um, possible outcome at heart, and so I need to listen to them now and act upon what it is that they're telling me that is going to help me to get out of this. Yeah, and there's something something even more uh, powerful or as powerful and, and maybe primitive, if that's the right word, in this. Because when when you're struggling like this and somebody comes to you out of you know genuine concern and compassion and desire to help you and you trust them, that interaction in itself uh, can be incredibly healing and reassuring. Yes. So you can sometimes get your best comfort from strangers. Well, is it strangers? I, I don't know. I, I guess it could be. It could be from anyone. Um, you know, I'm a big believer, and you have to be careful about who you ask to mentor you, um, because mentoring is a tough business, and you need to know how to do it properly. Otherwise, you can mislead people. So, I, I, I don't know that it's you know a relationship with anyone or a mentoring from anyone that's important. Certainly when people um, show up and show compassion and show concern, that is helpful. Now, whether their advice is any good is a separate issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? So take, so take their stew, but maybe don't take their advice. If they bring something that's healing <laughs> oh, um, in yeah, the moment yeah, and that's yes. a practical help and that is uh, yes. you know, getting you out of the – if they're giving you a chance to get out of your head by having a visit – with you, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you necessarily need to take their advice to the bank. <laughs> Correct. No, no, that's right. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's exactly right. So, so there's two components, or at least two components that I see. One is that that positive human interaction, which would you know would be uplifting in its own right. Um, but then there's the other part, which is guidance and advice from somebody, a trusted source who knows what they're talking about, who can help you get you know, back up straight again. Right. Yeah. And so fun. one of the fun ways of thinking about this, I know you're thinking fun and stress in the same conversation, how that happened, but (laughs) it's like, so one of the fun ways of thinking about this is to think about what are the, like when you, you need to catch yourself first in your own, uh, you know, crazy thinking, like that you're just going whirling round and round and round, and you need to figure out how you're going to stick your hand out to get some help. Um, and if you if you cannot do that because you're so overwhelmed, then hopefully you have people around you or you've cultivated some of that where people will go, I can see you're really struggling right now that you have some people who are compassionate in your life. Um, and so I think I'll just of an example that I had a friend that I hadn't heard from for a while. And so I just picked up the phone and gave her a call because I thought it's rather like, it's just odd that I haven't heard from her. And she was going through a storm in her life. And it's, and so we'll say to ourselves, well, they should reach out if they need help. The truth is, I think that people who are in peril don't know what kind of help they need. So when we say, Hey, how can I help you? They don't even know how to answer that. You know, so so that being aware of the people who are in our lives and being compassionate 
towards who might be stuck or struggling. And some of those things just naturally happen in life, like having teenagers. (laughs) 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 I just, just saying, just saying. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some challenges at work, challenges in uh, relationships with husbands and wives, you know. Um, So having those like strong supporters in your um, ring of, of friends, friends and advisors of people who care about you uh, can help if you're reaching in to help people uh, to recognize when they're struggling. Yeah. And again, it's all about being able to break out of the cycle of emotion and, and thoughts that are going around your head, break that out because we can get stuck in that vortex very easily, can't we? Absolutely. I think we refer to it affectionately as the poop loop. <laughs> and why do we refer to it as the poop loop? Well, because it's, it's, crap, it's, it. it's crappy thinking, <laughs> crappy thinking <laughs> that just keeps uh, keeps you in that space. And, and <laughs> so, well, yes, gives a new nice. mean, yes, gives a new meaning to the phrase stinking thinking, right? That's exactly right. right and so, I think what's good is that, though, when you can say it that way, that people can laugh about it then and go, yeah, I am stuck in a poop loop. I am completely <laughs> stuck mm-hmm. in this um, stinking thinking. Like, what do I need to do to move myself out of this? <laughs> yeah, and the point that we're making is sometimes it's very difficult to do it yourself. Yes. Um, you know, and, and sometimes you need other people. Now, there are some things um, that you can do if you're disciplined enough, but discipline is probably going to be in short supply when you're in one of these states. Um, but perhaps it's have enough faith in yourself how do you stop that cycle i mean how do you stop that um do you go meditate do you fall asleep do you you know drink a bottle of wine i mean what what do people do to stop the the descent as it were into the vortex mm-hmm. i guess it's all of those things but some of them are some of them are positive and some of them are very helpful Right, and then um, we'll we'll talk about that more as we move along. I think also recognizing the uh, when what's the payoff for staying there, because there's a payoff for us for staying in that stinking thinking and to go to the kind of negative behaviors. We might not be able to identify it right away, but there is. It's like we get love often when we stay in that place. We get people to listen to us <laughs> when we, you know, stay in that place. Whether they're, you know, a hostage audience, a captive audience, or, you know, the, but we'll use our wounds and the things that are wrong in our life, the things that are going offside to uh, enter into conversations with people Maybe because also because it's a way of getting love and our needs met on that level. Yeah, well, now you're reminding me of uh, Carolyn Mace and her concept of woundology, right? Um, it's really what you're talking about. Yes. So. Yeah. And long before Carolyn, there was other, there's been many, many oh, people that have talked about connecting through wounds. But yeah, definitely. Carolyn's thing and also how we rewire our brain which would be Dave Seaver's stuff you know when we think about a thought or we're traumatized by a thought or the way that we think in the past that we continue to think down that we allow ourselves to create these stories so when we come back from the break it's uh, we'll talk more about how do we manage getting out of the traps and the snares that are uh, that we lay sometimes in our own lives too um, to manage stress to keep burnout at bay and looking forward to touching base on all of these great strategies when we return to Master Your Life. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Many people believe it's a man's place to stay strong no matter what. It's considered weak if you break. Men deal with all kinds of issues, insecurity, fears, and struggles, but there has been no place to turn to until now. Listen for Fundamentals with host Carl Bobo. We provide the support that men need and the guidance they seek. It's an open and honest forum featuring the topics you want to hear about with the answers that you seek. Listen live Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific and 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Are you happy in your life or are you just settling? It's time to speak out, take control of your existence, and let your life speak. Bart Queen is the host of A Hero's Journey. His personal goal is to help you find your voice, use that voice, and live the life that you deserve to live. Do more, be more, and give more. Tune in to A Hero's Journey on the Voice America Empowerment Channel, live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You owe it to yourself to tune in and make your voice count. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm Leah Mattinson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin. Uh, before the break, we've been talking about stress, burnout, and how do you manage these things and how do you recognize and identify when they're happening in your life, these storms, and how do you come out of them feeling intact? So in this segment, we're going to talk about some of those strategies. And Howard, first of all, we're going to just start with your thoughts on thinking and how to get thinking kind of under control. Yeah, so when you get overwhelmed and bombarded, you know, your brain races along, um, generates all these emotions, you probably lose some of the conscious control, you know, your frontal lobes go offline a bit, and the emotional areas of the brain are really in control, and you're generating these narratives, and you're winding yourself up, and your brain is speeding and speeding and speeding, and it's a bit like you're going 100 miles an hour, and you really don't have any brakes. Um a couple of things can happen if you don't really um, pay attention to that. One is you can crash at 100 miles an hour, um, and that's not pretty. You know that that might be getting involved in some damaging behaviors to slow that down. Um, you know, alcohol, drugs, or just silly stuff because 
your mm. your cortex, your, your your frontal lobes, your your rationality is offline at that point. Mm-hmm. It's overwhelmed. So that's one risk. Another is that you just simply sort of blow up and totally decompress and go from 100 miles an hour to zero um, and just crash. I mean, literally crash. And really, that's a that's an okay. It's probably less dangerous st- state. Um, you're not as you're not very functional. You probably you know you probably can put two and two together at that point. But you know that's just the brain's way of compensating. Um, and another way is to bring go from a hundred down to something more manageable, like thirty miles an hour, um, by trying to do thirty mile an hour tasks. Uh, you know, simple behaviors, things that are routine, don't require too much thought, but keep you engaged. That could be the right sort of social interaction. It could be some physical activity or exercise. Um, something like that that brings your brain from going 100 miles an hour down to a more manageable level and helps you regain control because that's really what that's about. It's getting your frontal lobes and the thinking areas of your brain back online. And some of this, um, my opinion, not not solely my opinion, but some of this is really developed over a span of time of bad behaviors. And so the bad behaviors is when we don't learn how to put the brakes on earlier in our life. And that we, um, that that, some of that is definitely learned. Uh, And so if we grow up with um, some sort of uh, boundaries that are reinforced so that we have some um, emotional mastery in our lives when we're young. So I think often of kids who have tantrums <laughs> and and mm-hmm. I go, oh, 40 years later, you're still having tantrums, <laughs> right? And so it's like, so so how did, how do we learn? Uh, it's And I'm, it's rhetorical. I think people can think this one through. How do you learn to put the brakes on and apply the brakes to your own thinking? Because you're, there's this idea that we're not responsible also for creating these dramas in our life. Like that we go, hmm, that's somebody else's responsibility. And then we let ourselves do these other behaviors that are, um, you know, not serving us. So that's a really maybe a hard line uh, or a hard, harsh way of thinking or people might not think that's compassionate. But I think that that's the most compassionate perspective you can have is to go, how do I encourage somebody to have mm-hmm. in myself too, to go, what's my locus of control here? How, what do I have control over? And, and, uh, and my behavior most of the time, if I really um, dig deep uh, into myself, I can understand why I'm doing the things that I'm doing and why I'm letting thoughts run away with themselves. And as I alluded to or said before the break, sometimes it's because I just haven't had a normal conversation with somebody in a while. So I think, oh, well, you know, I'll wade into this particular topic. And then I end up, you know, talking about things that are not, um, that are, that I'm animating situations that don't need to be animated in order to have human connection. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I do think that when your brain is really in the emotional overload and you you really don't have rational input, um, that's obviously a dangerous place to be and you need to recognize it and hopefully have strategies to get out of it before it gets you. 
Now, one way which we've talked about is other people can help you do that. That's social interaction. Just that process of social interaction for, for a lot of people is going to begin to temper that a bit. One of the problems of being isolated and, and on your own, particularly when you're depressed, when you withdraw, you don't have other people to put that sort of break on. And mm. the negative thoughts just continue and continue and continue and you're left stewing in your own juice really mm-hmm. yeah. um, and if you're so, and if you're if you're uh, participating in behaviors that you know are self-destructive you become more and more isolated so the the drinking that you mentioned or the drug use or the and what you'd said was silly things I'm not quite sure what you were alluding to there but I, am, I have an imagination about what the silly things might be <laughs> and it's like you know so the more that we do, those things that are self-destructive, the more isolated we become and the less connected we are to other people. Yep. And that's so, so other people obviously have a, a, a big part in getting us back online, if you will, mm-hmm. when we're running wild. Um, and I think it's, I think it is important to, uh, to know what your strategies are. I mean, these tend to d- develop by default and people kind of play up because the problem is when, when your house is burning down, that's not the time to learn how to use a fire extinguisher. Okay. You, <laughs> when you're in this state, by very definition, your rationality is offline. You're not going to think straight. So you need to know what you're going to do in that circumstance. And if you can't do it, you have to get other people to do it for you or at least help you, right? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, and I think also that it requires something that we haven't talked about at all. If you have an enormous amount of faith and you have a relationship with you know, God or the universe or the creator or whatever you want to call, whatever your term is, the big aardvark in the sky. I heard somebody say that the other day and I just <laughs> laughed. <laughs> whatever that relationship is with God, um, when we are really under the gun and feeling overwhelmed, that's when people will say, you know what, I just mm-hmm. prayed about it. I got on my knees and I prayed. And it's not a, right. it's not a religious thing to pray or to ask for help. It's that uh, when you recognize that you're feeling alone, that you have the ability, it's, I, I think it's in us that we reach out to our maker and then, uh, we, or the creator or the great artwork in the sky and go, I need help here. <laughs> help and, me. And, and I think part of, yeah, and I think part of that faith is hope. You know, again, we've been talking about, or I have anyway, about the sense of being out of control and things are mm-hmm. t- running out of control. Mm-hmm. If you have faith and hope, look, it's going to be okay. It'll get back into control. I may not know how it's going to do that, but I just believe that. Then that's certainly going to stop the spinning and help your rationality get back online. Isn't yes. It? Yes. That's what so you're talking about. Yeah, when there's not other people around or if you've got yourself into a position where you're isolated or you've been doing things that have isolated you, like remain, you know, hopeful or know that you're not alone, that there's this other thing um, that that's available to you to get back on track until you can, you know, reach out to other people um, for, you know, human connection. And and that's a huge, um, a huge amount of solace when people have a relationship with God. And I think uh, in North America, if you asked most people and you said, do you believe in God? The majority of them would say yes. What they don't believe in is religion. And so in, in how we manage our stress and manage ourselves, this idea that 
um, it's not just other people giving us feedback, but it's ex- it's like having this relationship where we accept feedback from the thing that created us and go like, am I on track or am I off track? And by having that feedback all the time, it helps us to maintain emotional control. Yeah, it's definitely a way of, again, cutting off the frenzied, um, obsessive thinking and helping you get back, as I say, getting rationality back online and getting a sense of control back. Because I think all of those things are all an attempt to do just that, is get control back. You say, I know it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I just know that it is. That will give you a sense of control. Even if you can see how you're going to get to that point, feeling it will, again, reestablish control. It's all about feeling back in control, I believe. Yes, and and so we had talked um, about the kind of stopping the feeling of overwhelm and how do you do that. So there's these two things that we've talked about primarily, I think, which is, you know, sort of the um, the other people reaching out to wise mentors, having some help in the spiritual realm of things, and the real practical ability to move out of thinking into action is a huge lifesaver. Just something really simple, like when you're trapped in a thought, going and playing a game of solitaire. <laughs> and b- because with a deck of cards, not on your computer. And and oh, just shucks. holding the deck of cards and doing this thing that everyone, most people have learned how to play solitaire. If you haven't, it's a good thing. It's like the fire extinguisher part, right? Of hmm. yep. <laughs> It's like your fire extinguisher might be a deck of cards and not at the gambling hall. Not mm-hmm. at the gambling hall, people. <laughs> and actually going, oh, I'm just going to sit down and play a game of cards because it takes me out of my head. It takes me out of the whirling thoughts until I can get to a more useful place and gives me a sense of control. And how we're neurologically wired is that when we do things that are action-oriented. So if you do jumping jacks, if you do a couple push-ups against the wall, it takes your state and moves it from that trapped thinking into a higher elevated emotional state, one that will serve you better to move you out of the overwhelm. Yeah, and and independent of exactly what you're doing, uh, whether you're writing in your journal or doing jumping jacks or what have you, the fact that you actually have a plan and execute it, no matter how small it is, I think is very important. Again, I think that's beginning to reestablish a sense of control. If you're feeling completely overwhelmed, you say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to walk around the block. And you go out and you walk around the block, that's an action, but it also makes you feel in control because you had a plan and you're executing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, a, you know, that's another way of reestablishing some sense of control, of having a, an action step that I'm going to do next and actually doing it, mm-hmm. uh, again, is, is symbolic, if nothing else, and maybe more than that, of actually feeling as if you're back in control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that whole being outside and going for a walk and connecting with nature and, you know, thinking about, not thinking about thinking, but thinking about what is surrounding you and taking in kind of that, again, the spiritual aspect of healing yourself in nature and using the tools that are around you to get centered and uh, to feel safe again. <laughs> Yeah, and again, I think when we're talking about wanting to regain control, getting back to the familiar, you know, things that you're comfortable with, things that are familiar to you, and again, things that will trigger in you a sense of normalcy and a sense of being in control. So what are your favorite things, Howard? Two favorite Uh, things. (laughs) 
Um, well, one is physical activity. So I, you know, I do think I'm a big exerciser, and so I do think that physical activity is is rewarding for me, and I, I can do that easily, uh, and that makes me makes me feel good. Um, I'm also a, a meditator. So one of the things that I like to do if I feel that it's getting that my emotions or brain's revving too much mm-hmm. is is to meditate, mm-hmm. is, which by definition is slowing your brain right down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know that's difficult to do if you you know if you haven't done any meditation um, and you're really in a panic and you say okay well I better meditate you're probably not going to be able to do that. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, I practiced it. I've done it for a long time, and so um, it's not easy. But if I say, "Boy, I'm just going to go meditate for 15 minutes," even if I'm wound up, at the end of that 15 minutes, I will have come down. The emotion would be turned down. When the emotions turn down, I can get my rationality um, back online, and when I do that, then I can feel more in control. Right. Yeah. I think that's the cycle for me anyway. I am mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a fan personally of hugging. So <laughs> I think that uh, I will find it's like not hugging random strangers, although that might be fun too. <laughs> but taking the time to actually um, my, my grandson, I will just grab him and hug him. And you, you enter mm-hmm. these moments mm-hmm. of reverence that just stop every other crazy thing. And yeah, no, I can see that. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. And so when you're when you're looking for tools or tricks or tips or that, look to the people who are already in your life um, to help with that. Um, the interrupting of the overwhelming stuff is often just because we're alone and we've let ourselves be alone much too long. So that is just such a powerful thing for me. And I remember when my daughter was little that they sang this song at preschool and it was called Four Hugs a Day, That's the Minimum. (laughs) And it went like this, Four Hugs a Day, That's the Minimum, Four Hugs a Day, Not the Maximum. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. And it just runs through my head still. So this is like 16 years later Uh that that little song has, um, I because I can picture all the hugs that I have got, mm-hmm. and it takes me right out of any thinking other than, wow, that was blissful. Yes, yeah, so you're definitely changing the emotional state when you do that, and I agree that that would be a great strategy. So um, maybe sometime if I'm really stressed, I can borrow your grandson. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, seriously. He I think is the great, bomb. <laughs> no, seriously, I think that that physical contact in the way you're talking about um, – is very powerful, primitive, but powerful, mm-hmm. for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Yes. So wonderful. So as you check out today from the show and you're thinking about, well, what can, what can I take from this whole stress management and, and avoiding burnout, uh, I just encourage you to think about how you can think about connecting with other people, finding good people in your circle that can you can talk to about what's going on in your in the storms of your life and also reaching out spiritually and knowing you're not alone. Yeah, absolutely. And and for me again, it's it's all of those things and and it's really about t- ramping the emotionality down. 
in whatever way you can mm-hmm. so that you can get that you know frontal lobe rationality back in which will begin to give you a sense of control uh, which is really what we're talking about I think yeah absolutely so if you're feeling out of control <laughs> Tune in to next week's episode where we will, once again, explore with intelligent insight and inspiration ways to absolutely make your life better. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go enjoy your successful life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.